Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this new edition of Mind Podcast. This is Adit Kapadia coming to you on yet another weekend, a newsy weekend, two weeks worth of news, you know, updates and everything. And together with me is Mindmaker's columnist, editor. I, I see there is a reason uh, why which instead before uh, uh, disclosing her editorial post with Mindmakers, uh, she's, she's a sub-editor with, my, with uh, the Mind.net. I introduced her as a columnist because Harita Pusarla or Rama Harita Pusarla, as most of you know, has probably written more columns than the next five put together for Mindmakers. So, uh, welcome to Mind Podcast, Harita. I know you've been before as a part of a larger panel, but this is probably your first one, like a solo podcast with me, and you'll hear a lot more of Harita in the days to come. So, welcome to the Mind Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Adit, and it's pleasure being on your podcast, and it's always a pleasure joining you, either in a group or like for the first time I'm joining you alone, and it's like really a pleasure discussing about all the news events yes. that are that were lined up in the past two weeks. Absolutely. So Harita is in Delhi, so she'll tell you the exact thing of what is going on in Delhi. Her uh, commentary, especially on foreign policy, is outstanding, and we. I mean, if we have here, if we have her here, we cannot let her go without talking about the Raisina uh, uh, dialogues that just happened, the US-Iran sort of thing, and the Russia uh, Game of Thrones in Russia that is going on. But we're going to start with the domestic politics. We'll talk a little bit about the whole NRCCA thing, what had happened with the JNU last week, last week's podcast. You might have heard we did a whole uh, interview uh, with uh, Nidhi Tripathi and uh, uh, I mean the members of the ABVP, you know, to sort of explain the crisis situation in JNU. So we'll talk a little bit about the NRCCA issue. We'll also talk about the Delhi elections. AAP and BJP have the lists out. Uh, BJP still has a few more names to go, but basically the campaigning should be starting in three weeks. Delhi votes and Kejriwal, Mr. Kejriwal is going to be fighting uh, and see see basically if he can come back to power again so we'll analyze that and then the other issues that have been dominating the Indian news cycle so let's start with the whole CAA thing um, very interesting thing has happened Pele you had the Jamia Milia thing then you had the JNU thing then there were some sort of protests in Mumbai and stuff where there were free Kashmir posters taken out where bizarrely enough even Shiv Sena came out in their support there were also pro CAA rallies across different cities in India where people were coming out in massive support of CAA. And then there was this um, the Shaheen, uh, Shaheen Bagh uh, thing that is going on. Now there are there were, there were controversy over uh, it making a sort of a religious overtone where there were many Islamist slogans uh, 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 that were uh, said in the protest. And there were folks who were saying, okay, what is wrong if the Kalma is said and stuff like that. So all this was this whole uh, uh, cluster of things that were happening. And JNU, the protests or the discussions were happening on fee hike and the left but usme bhi CAA jod diya then Deepika Padukone uh, decided to join in silently uh, uh, then her movie is, has flopped so now she has also forgotten about the protest so I don't know what is happening so Harida can you shed some light for us yeah yeah I just want to first touch upon the Shaheen Bagh uh, protests which are like uh, more t- turning out to be sham and they are unraveling themselves with their agenda and then everything is being uh, is now out in bare hmm. so so to speak like uh, there are even uh, voices which are saying that uh, people are uh, collecting money from every motor 
vehicle which is passing through those roads to give them free entry through those roads mm-hmm. and now another thing is like i just want to tell you how important the uh, men the shaheen bagh protests have thrown loud, uh, life out of gear mm-hmm. uh, they have blocked the arterial road that's the arterial connection between south delhi and noida and then that's the region which houses so many shopping complexes and then it's been like uh, it's like no wonder to say that like life has been paralyzed in that part of the delhi and noida because like people who have to reach to their places have to um, in uh, reschedule their departures by 2 hours and uh, the trauma of office goers and then school children is indescribable because they have facing this men uh, this uh, turmoil and chaos for the past one month and there seems to be no point of going to return because like men uh, uh, um, political sympathizers or uh, so to speak the secular parties are like uh, milking this event for their political mileage and uh, 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 that's one aspect of it and now as we are seeing like uh, kids as old as uh, five years are like now tutor to oppose caa men for a kid of 5 years it's hard to imagine uh, whether he can count up numbers up to 100 properly but uh, it's like uh, really men perplexing to even understand how they can un- uh, men go through the contents of the bill or even understand it or uh, uh, men rather uh, blurt out the implications of caa clearly they are tutored to do all these kind of things that's one part of the story and another thing is as these posters we have uh, posters of shaheen bagh are well showing up for themselves or saying all mm. the agenda uh, the crumbled swastika and the hindu women wearing bindi and they were clad in burqa men uh, and then those uh, so like you're saying um, the messaging was very confused you don't even know what they were trying to say and rather than Uh, talking about their opposition or something to see they were trying to send out some weird ideological message no what i am saying is like uh, their their uh, agenda is now clearly out in the open for us mm. to see mm. i mean it's not about caa and nrc anymore mm. live about nrc because even uh, um, cabinet or the ministers or the men nobody actually knows what is going to come up in the nrc yeah the structure of the nrc is still of, being debated exactly like uh, these heightened fears it's like uh, i don't know where it's all going to lead but as of now it is very much pretty much clear that it's it's been like uh, they are spewing venom against hindus that's least to say mm. because uh, though all those posters and then uh, not only the shaheen bagh protest but then like uh, jinnah wali azadi kafiron se azadi hinduon se azadi mm. all these things are saying um, men they are like uh, out for us to analyze like what is their agenda uh, and and no and then the, the funniest thing was after people called out the azadi bra- Uh, uh, azadi bluff the eternal student leader uh, kanaiya kumar basically he 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 ceased to be a student leader when he fought an election but then he lost very badly so i think now he's back to being a student leader 
you know as it can as it's convenient to him i think the real the uh, 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 sort of slogan for kanaiya kumar should be is the leader of the delhi tv studios yeah, yeah so, with every passing day they are losing out their relevance mm-hmm. no so kanaiya came and gave this weird sort of clarification on azadi and stuff the point is these slogans were uh, uh, repeated in kashmir 30 years ago it's ironic that we should be talking this on the weekend uh, the weekend where 30 years ago the day 19th january is when the exodus kashmiri pandit exodus happened so on that weekend we are talking about this and people are repeating those azadi slogans i can't even imagine how the our kashmiri uh, brothers and sisters are feeling about this so <clears throat> that's that's that, that that is sort of secondary uh, uh, thing i mean i mean i say secondary as in because it's basically that's caa nrc has taken a back seat and now this political point scoring has started but let me talk about a broader perspective on this right because this is what i've been meaning to discuss with you harita that when people say that this is they are becoming now the opposition to narendra modi or offering an alternative blah blah whatever because right now there is no structure to this protests right there are a few protests happening and people are trying to sort of say that this is the same thing now um, somebody like a ram uh, leave about like offering any alternative people are now uh, so much in I mean uh, they are like uh, so distraught with this uh, protest everywhere uh, hmm. they are like mushrooming like anything across every pocket of um, uh, delhi hmm. in the sense like now uh, recent just uh, two days back uh, they have attempted to have a shahin bagh kind of a protest at uh, turkman gate hmm. and now there are reports saying that they are going to have a similar kind of a thing in jamia hmm. so there is like uh, men there is no method to this madness it seems hmm. because uh, they have uh, men the protests have uh, certainly lost out and they have fizzled out actually to say hmm. people are now no longer interested in all these kind of things they just want to have a normal uh, life where their men <laughs> um, uh, out of the 24 hours of the day they don't want to spend 4 hours on the roads <laughs> so that has become uh, really very um, a daily torture for them yeah so i mean and something this is something we have not discussed right when he, that the, the the civic the civic issues that there are being impacted but uh, can this also be that they are trying to portray or take a anti sort of bjp position and also taking an anti congress sort of position even though congress might be secretly supporting in parts and trying to uh, sort of almost goad people that vote up for delhi do you think this is connected no. to the delhi elections yeah it is connected to daily elections but is certainly i would say that it's helping a consolidation of a hindu vote bank which was which was like uh, not existent till now Hmm. like uh, what i mean to say that like uh, the creating more of a negative feeling in the people rather than hmm. a kind of an empathy or understanding for what they actually are fighting for hmm. or nobody really men uh, gone are the days when they really want to hear uh, about their concerns because like it um, as i have told you earlier like their agenda is being now shown up Mm. like uh, everywhere here you can see that there is a kind of a projection mm. uh, saying that it's going to be against the majority or uh, to be more explicit it's it's now turning out to be anti hindu people are seeing through it so i don't 
men we need to wait to analyze how it's going to actually snowball or like uh, how it's actually going to work out for the political parties which are contesting in the delhi elections mm. but this is going to be massive mm. absolutely and that's that's something what we have to um, look at see the, the the issue is i don't think there is a pan national protest because i would not assume that if it's happening in five colleges that is representative of india that is certainly not that you know and and, and the uh, the aam aadmi party made the same mistake and look what happened in the 2014 lok sabha elections they got absolutely wiped out everywhere except getting four seats in punjab and right now if the elections were to be held in punjab i'm i can bet you aam aadmi party will get nowhere close to the amount of votes it got in the 2014 lok sabha exactly wise. last week like uh, uh, man was even uh, men, uh, police have filed a charges against man for uh, disruption they were carrying out protests um, uh, just before the secretariat and then he was like uh, uh, slapped with uh, charges hmm. so that that's that's the thing that's the reality of it that uh, first of all the gov- and i i have always said you know there were people uh, they were talking about azad in kashmir the best solution to counter the leftist student protests is not to uh, lock them up or to charge which this government has not done they've not locked them up uh, uh, you know just for protesting and stuff unless you get violent nothing should uh, I mean, it should be give them give them a microphone because they are so hellbent on self implosion they are going to keep say repeating this azadi nonsense and uh, as i wrote on twitter basically they are going to write their own epitaph we exactly and then somebody has pointed out saying that like uh, uh, for all this men um, men oh, whatever you say like uh, saying that these protests are uh, pan indian mm. um, there somebody has pointed out that only 22 universities have protested mm. and then say 767 universities didn't have anything to say about it and they were uh, normally working fine and they were doing their own business that's it mm. so to say that these were even pan indian protests is also a small thing to say so uh, one thing i'll tell you they were not pan india pan university anything it was pan leftist protest from marxist <laughs> exactly. leninist to communist party of india they all came together and you know decided that this was pan india but it was not pan india it was just pan india communists getting together so exactly that is the that is the reality of the protest so moving from there to the delhi elections okay now i think delhi elections is a whole different ball game it's being fought on many uh, many issues here just based on what we've heard the opinion polls and stuff the app does seem to be on a little bit of a stronger wicket than pe- what people might think now this is not to suggest that the outcome is a done deal Uh, I think it's still up for grabs. For um, uh, I mean, Congress is nowhere in the race. But what is interesting yeah. is if AAP and Congress do not fight in an alliance, how, you know, does that help the BJP or does AAP have that many votes that it could? I I don't think we're going to see a repeat of twenty fifteen. No way. It's probably going to be a forty twenty sort of result out of seventy. Sort of you know, the winning party getting about thirty five forty seats or something. Or maybe a little more. Exactly, but then there is no surprises. Um, when uh, you cannot uh, completely rule out BJP, and uh, you can uh, still quite expect BJP to spring a surprise. See, what is fascinating um, is BJP has held on to its thirty thirty five percent vote base for like since Delhi was created since nineteen ninety three. 
yeah true that's true but then like uh, now uh, what is happening is like uh, people are like uh, real a little bit wary about the kind of uh, uh, free uh, dolls which is uh, which are being like uh, splurged by arvin kejriwal now they are like uh, uh, some people are even saying that like uh, delhi might turn into another venezuela oh good god um, uh because like uh, uh, seeing the kind of uh, things he is like uh, just offering freebies men uh, he is uh, left and left right and center you can say like uh, he is offering <laughs> yeah, as if like it's a free run hmm. like uh, from october onwards he has started this uh, free uh, bus ride for women and then like uh, earlier it was like uh, um men um, giving out uh, free scholarships to people in uh, government uh, schools hmm. and uh, i don't know like uh, how uh, in upper middle class or middle class are going to um, really hmm. see these things hmm. okay interesting <coughs> but do you think that the fact that bjp has not nominated a single face uh, might come to haunt them yes last minute i know they nominated kiran bedi but i am a firm believer that if you give nominate a face and give them about a year or so they can you know make an impact and right now bjp doesn't have i know manoj tiwari is being projected i don't really think manoj tiwari is necessarily the chief ministerial face so do you think that might hurt yeah, them yeah because like uh, still some people are uh, uh suggesting that bjp should have gone with uh, harshvardhan who has got like a very clean image hmm. and then and um, the image of a doer yeah exactly exactly so uh, still like uh, hmm. uh, there are uh, uh, sections of uh, people who favor like uh, dr harshvardhan being the chief ministerial face so still like um, man it's up to the bjp to project whom they want to mm. but as of now i believe that it's safe to go just the way they are doing it without any chief but, ministerial face yeah and what is interesting is i saw the list of the first list of the candidates that came out there were no real stalwarts except for vijender gupta and a couple others you know there were not exactly. the usual faces so i don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because um could be either whereas aap has given their list completely unpredictable lines you know yeah so, exactly and so, then they have even go on go on they had a little head start as well mm. yeah so that's that's the fascinating part so let's see how uh, 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 it pans out but in conclusion of this uh, portion and i mean we are going to go to the foreign policy part and domestic politics in the in the next part but in conclusion if i were to ask you right now between amongst the parties is the aap uh, does aap have a slight edge over bjp and congress yeah exactly they were like uh, predicting some um, uh, 35 to 40 seats for up as of now but uh, given uh, this protest continue to like uh, uh, wreak havoc on their normal lives um, uh, the tide is going to turn yeah and, and arvind kejriwal has taken a very he is not really taken a pro protester stance he is taken like a very middle of the road so he smart he has seen that delhi is not as anti ca as the media portrays But then this is not going to help in the long run because it's already known that Amanatullah Khan mm-hmm. of AAP is the one who is the MLA of that region where the Shahin Bagh yeah. protests are there. So people Ohla, are not right? really so blind to miss that out. 
No, no, uh, absolutely. No, I completely agree with Kejriwal's hypocrisy. I'm just saying that this seems to be the strategy they are adopting. I'm not saying it's going to work. Exactly, but, exactly. Yeah, but yeah that's, true. Yeah, but I, 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 the, I know ABP Seawater gave some 50 plus seats to Ahmadmi Party and Delhi with the margins being the way it is and how small it is, you know, a short swing at the end could take it either way. But right now, I tend to agree that AAP has a little bit of a edge, but you cannot rule uh, uh, the BJP out. And what is interesting to see is how the AAP Congress dynamic plays out. So it's a fascinating time. Uh, maybe, Harita, we can do a, a post-mortem of the Delhi elections, uh, uh, sure. you know, from the ground itself, who knows. So uh, stay tuned on Mind Podcast for that. But um, moving forward, I think in the next part, we're going to talk a little bit about the Raisina dialogue, a little bit about India's diplomacy, uh, uh, the US-Iran controversy, and uh, uh, the uh, Vladimir uh, Putin sort of Russia thing. So you don't want to miss that one. So stay tuned, folks. Uh, so, welcome back to part two, guys. You've made a great choice to stick with us. <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, so for here, I'm not going to do any introduction already because Harita had a terrific piece on the Raisina dialogue. So Harita, can you give a, a sort of a short report and just tell everyone what happened in the Raisina dialogue by what Mr. S. Jaishankar, the foreign minister of India said was significant and the highlights of it? Yeah, uh, just to begin with, the Raisina dialogue is like an Indian initiative, which uh, they have designed along the lines of uh, Shangri-La dialogue of Singapore. Mm. So it was first inaugurated in uh, 2016 by uh, Sushma Swaraj. And uh, initially, um, but the, the vision has been like uh, India as a raise, uh, raising power wanted to have a platform where it can take its own view or project its own view on the global challenges, how it can make some value addition to it and also explore the solutions for the global challenges. This has been the perspective and the vision behind the Raisina Dialogue. And uh, um, this year's Raisina Dialogue is the fifth edition and it has received a tremendous support. While people do have some kind of a, uh, apprehension saying that it's not like uh, as global or like it's not as popular, but uh, giving the raising number of uh, participants year on year and the number of uh, uh, value additions which are being made in the Raisina dialogue, it certainly has emerged into a vibrant summit where people uh, from diverse uh, backgrounds are coming together and then voicing out their concerns, mm. offering their solutions to the existing problems. No, no, and let's so face the, it, to build any institutional sort of thing, it requires time. It can't just happen overnight. Exactly. It's right. Uh, this has been part of like uh, Modi's doctrine as well. And then you can see that it's like, uh, what do you say, an outcome or an offshoot of his uh, uh, vision. Hmm. So we, you just can't uh, undermine him and his vision because he has even uh, enunciated or postulated what India thinks about uh, uh, the challenges which are faced by the world mm -hmm. at large at uh, UNGA also last uh, uh, September. Mm -hmm. Unlike all other pro uh, 
all other leaders who have uh, come, who have come there and uh, uh, presented their uh, concerns or like express their uh, men um, men what do you say their hostilities or mm-hmm. animosities mm-hmm. and things like that mm-hmm. modi stood out uh, for his uh, global vision Mm. so um, this should um, this should be appreciated in the sense like uh, being a raising power and not uh, uh, being hegemonic at any part of the men ever in its uh, history mm. india is uh, certainly making small ripples in the uh, international forums mm. and then uh, it's elevating itself globally mm. so that is one aspect of it and then this uh, raising I mean, I mean, a dialogue for for this year of the 100 countries which have participated 80 of them are from africa hmm. and we have to look at the whole you know the concaf and i mean everything uh, uh, in a perspective india has also held the african conference or something and harita has written terrific pieces about it where i think 56 uh, african countries came to that conference right yeah and that was the first uh, conference in two, uh, 2015 october when right. uh, all the african countries have participated like mm. uh, more than like uh, 35 uh, countries are represented by the heads of the state mm. and rest of them by the foreign ministers so and, it and, was like uh, really one of its kind uh, so and that legacy has been taken forward dr J- s jayshankar is a phenomenal speaker and you know very articulate person uh, has um, uh, diplomacy uh, experience with he has been a diplomat both to ambassador to america and china very rare distinction you know of someone holding that having been the foreign secretary then and now the external affairs minister so terrific uh, sort of background and then he articulated his vision beautifully in the raisena dialogue what i think my takeaway is for india to build institutions that will last beyond governments that will last beyond decades i think such dialogues are very important such speeches are very important and even though people might have felt that the first attempt second attempt third attempt they were smaller than what they were expecting you have to start somewhere and one thing we can say for sure every year the raisena dialogue has grown in its stature and that itself is a testament to its yes. sort of cloud um yes. so moving from the raisena dialogue a little bit westward to the us iran c- controversy right i mean uh, uh, we haven't discussed yeah, uh, this in the i just want to make huh? a uh, just a small addition to this uh, special please, please. Um, uh, special dialogue which uh, sj shankar had with uh, uh the president of orf Sami like Saran. actually raisina dialogue was uh, jointly conducted by ministry of external affairs and uh, the think tank observer research foundation hmm. uh the, uh, the important uh, aspect of this and uh, the important takeaway of this raisina dialogue is like um, uh, jay shankar has put forth india's way hmm. india's way in the sense like he has uh, um enunciated what india stands for in the hmm. sense like india is not a disruptor it's a stable force and he also added that like uh, 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 this uh, this has come in the aftermath um, of uh, 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 legislations like caa and uh, abrogation of article 370 why i am going to men uh, um, especially emphasize on this thing is like uh, india has men um, like uh, uh, men there has been a gro- uh, growing pest- 
Simpson in India after the CAA, mm-hmm. with the people giving a religious view to this entire CAA thing, mm-hmm. and they were like uh, strategists who were all who are also succumbing to this kind of a anti-India propaganda, saying that India's stature or India's reputation as a democratic country and a pluralistic uh, society has taken a beating in, in the like uh, after the CAA legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been um, uh, certainly this has been a polarized agenda which was like um, oh. uh, propelled by anti-Indian forces but, no, no, this but it's, is it's not just that also Harita see a lot of these analysts and strategists and I know as a coffee enterprising hai jo dhoom machate hai Wall Street Journal mein. so yeah uh, exactly but then like this is to I'll, yeah, I'll add I'm one point. Huh, no, I'll add huh. one point and, and then I'll come back to you. What my point is that the reason why they do it is also is because right they have to be if they don't get the access, they are going to have uh, you know they have to dig it out somewhere right to show that we haven't gotten the access. So a lot of it is motivated from them because simply some of the things that they have been saying are not factual. Exactly, but uh, what is like, uh, uh, see, it's been like uh, snowballing into something which is actually not. Uh, So to say that they were like uh, uh, spreading out small uh, false fears and rumors saying that like Indian foreign policy has taken a beating and then Indian uh, uh, stature down the global pecking order is uh, uh, going to suffer and things like that which are really false. Hmm. And they have even stoked fear saying that India investment in India has certainly come down and things like that, which are like uh, these apprehensions are like uncalled for. And then like uh, Jay Shankar ha- did the right thing in like uh, standing out and saying all these things. Uh, I mean, I, I just can't uh, stop here. I just wanted to say this because like I was ex- uh, extremely thrilled when he uh, said like, uh, do you want others to define us or we want to define ourselves? Absolutely. That's a because that, line. that statement has been so meaningful and it has infused uh, so much confidence, so to speak, among the strategic circles who have been extremely upbeat about India's uh, proactive foreign policy and unprecedented outreach. To use a cricketing terminology, Mr. Jaishankar went down the track and hit it out of the park for six. But since we are are operating on a very limited time and we have US, Iran and Russia to discuss, I have to move on westward and then we'll go northward at the end and then we'll uh, uh, give recommendations. So, um, US, Iran, uh, you know, after the killing of Qasim Soleimani, where the US you know, uh, took him out and a few others in a strike uh, in Iraq where he was there, uh, you know, to cause sort of his usual uh, modus operandi. Uh, uh, And since then, Iran uh, retaliated and then there was a Ukrainian uh, airplane that was caught, you know, uh, 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 and 176 people died, including the crew. And it was terrible. Iran finally said that it was their missile. And I don't know, they said some weird mistake or something like that. So where do you view this? Do you think this is a thaw? Sort of has Iran moved on from Soleimani or do you think you're going to see a, a little more uh, war of words and some retaliation, some more retaliation? 
Actually, the, after killing of Soleimani, while uh, there were uh, uh, sections of people who were really terribly shaken and then uh, uh, their uh, genuine fears and hatred towards uh, uh, America have like really strengthened. But uh, there are other sections of people who are uh, um, terribly upset with the Iranian regime. And, uh, just and there the, are protests in Iran right now. Exactly. They were just waiting for one misstep from the government and this misstep it has come in the form of uh, shooting down of a Ukrainian plane. Hmm. And then uh, these people, uh, men, the protests which were uh, like, uh, uh, which have rocked Iran um, uh, men in uh, November and October following a price hike of uh, petrol, um, uh, following a rationing of petrol and also a price hike of the oil price, uh, price hike of oil. Uh, then, like, uh, uh, actually, so to speak, the entire uh, uh, grouse of the Iranian public has been about the uh, authoritarianism of the Iranian regime. They no longer want to be uh, really bound by a regime which is not uh, giving them freedom in the sense like uh, uh, women, uh, men, uh, the anti-hijab thing and all these things are uh, offshoots of all th- of these protests. And then this uh, downing of the Ukrainian plane uh, has um, been like a final nail in the coffin. While they would now say that the protests have come down, but uh, it's not going to men. They, ha- they are subdued as of now, but uh, they are going to uh, boil out again. Absolutely. So that's that's the interesting part um, of of this all. So um, I hate to say moving on, but we'll talk a couple of minutes about it. And, and with Trump in an election year, this dynamic is going to be fascinating, you know. So so don't rule that out as well. What what has been surprising though is how some of the Democrats have been reacting, you know, vis-a-vis uh, Iran. And really, mis- uh, Democrats have to learn to look beyond Pramila Jaipal and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren if they want to beat Trump. Because if the silliness or those, uh, you know, those Rashida Tayyab and Ilhan Omar and all those that making those nonsense statements. If, if, if really... Just have a huh. point to add, like uh, Democrats in US are like uh, behaving like a Congress party in India. Not much worse. I'll tell you why. Because I think Democrats in US have some very uh, good leaders. Uh, you know, you have a Tulsi Gabbard, you have an Andrew yes. Yang who is who is making some very relevant points, even if you may disagree with him on many other issues. There are there are many such leaders in the Democrats and who can come up. But the problem is the Dem- in, in Democrats are like a mixture of Congress and left and the CPI part of the Democrats is more dominant than the pragmatic part of the Democrats. And I'm not even saying Congress is the pragmatic part, but you had the old school Congresses, right? Your um, <laughs> uh, your Madhurao Sindhya type Congress, who was... Um, I don't even want to go into examples, but that's that's what it is. And uh, this this conundrum is basically what is uh, what is haunting the Democrats the most. But uh, let's see kya hota hai. But moving from westward to northward in Russia, Harita, most people have no idea about what has happened. Putin has replaced the entire cabinet, including the prime minister. 
Yeah, actually, it uh, so happened that uh, during the annual State of Nation address, yeah. uh, Putin has announced massive reforms oh. in the constitution. Mm. The first one is to say that, like uh, the Duma, that's the lower house of the parliament, mm. is now going to appoint a prime minister and cabinet, which is like really massive in the sense, like uh, uh, till now, president has been appointing prime minister and the cabinet. Mm. Now it he has given more powers to Duma. Hmm. Okay. Then like uh, he has also increased uh, uh, role for the advisory body called the uh, state council. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so these used to be like uh, small puppet uh, kind of uh, organizations under the president earlier. Oh. And then these kind of uh, uh, announcements coming uh, uh, in the year of 2020, just two years, uh, 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 sorry, four years away when uh, um, uh, Putin is going to step down is something like really fascinating in the sense like is it a, people are really uh, um, viewing it as another ploy of uh, President uh, Putin to extend his uh, uh, power or authority on the Russian governance even after 2024 hmm. uh, there, there are no surprises because like uh, um, uh, looking back like uh, as uh, how he has uh, risen to power in the sense like um, he used to be a KGB agent in uh, um, West Germany uh, East Germany mm. and then like uh, steadily he has risen, uh, risen in ranks and then like in 1999 he was suddenly appointed as a successor to the uh, men. In 1999 Boris Elson has announced him as his successor mm. and in 2000 he has taken out uh, taken as uh, men, taken up the presidential and uh, like uh, start, uh, from there onwards, he has been steadily increasing his force or uh, increasing his uh, power. He's consolidating his power. But, like um, he has given voice to the uh, to the Russian uh, uh, men and uh, to the Russian uh, uh, government. He has started that uh, Russia Today, the mm. most popular channel which we uh, see it. Like it's the only channel I should say that uh, which uh, is like accessible uh, to all people, and um, it has turned out to be. It has. It's now become the voice of Russia, I and think, then like. Uh, right? Uh, he has been president from uh, 2000 to 2008 mm. and after 2008 I mean, after two successive terms as uh, president mm. he has uh, assumed the role of a uh, prime minister and has appointed uh, Medvedev who is mm. really uh, loyal to him as a president though Medvedev was a president he has been uh, it, it has been like a nominal post because the actual power always lied with uh, Putin. Mm. And back in 2012, he has again come back to power with 60% uh, of votes. Mm. And, uh, and then again, uh, and that has been his uh, third uh, tenure as a president. Mm. And then in 2018, when again elections were uh, held, he came back to power with even more, even more number of votes. Uh, at that time, in twenty eighteen, he got he secured seventy six percentage of votes. So to speak, he has been like uh, steadily consolidating his power over Russia. I mean, what are the votes? There are many questions raised, but 
I think regardless, as we get to the uh, approach to the very end of the podcast, I think in summation, uh, 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 there are some radical reforms that have taken place in Russia. Whether that leads to some more changes in Russia remains to be seen. But this is this is an interesting time, and we we'll talk more about that um, in the coming yeah, yeah, podcast. Uh, but but wrap up Harita for me because we have to run into yeah yeah just uh, just three uh, uh, two more points like mm. uh, after these radical announcements in constitution which uh, Putin has proposed it has become more evident to Medvedev that he has to now resign so the prime minister and his entire cabinet has tendered their resignations mm. but. Uh, uh, man, I, as an appeasement, I should say, like uh, Putin has appointed Medvedev as a deputy head of a national security council, mm-hmm. and then brought back some technocrat, or uh, mm-hmm. he has been he was serving as a tax service chief. Uh, he has brought uh, Michael Mishustin as uh, prime minister, mm-hmm. and then the, his appointment was like um, approved by his party, that is like a uh, United Russia Party, unanimously. Mm-hmm. So. So as of now, Mishustin is going to be the prime minister, and uh, um, Putin has proposed a referendum in 19 uh, uh, along the lines of uh, in, uh, 1993. That was like uh, the first time when Russia had hmm. a referendum. So Putin so is trying to play to a Gorbachevian to... role <laughs> in, in Russia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, so, so uh, Russia is going to have a referendum in 19, uh, uh, somewhere in March. Hmm. Uh, while the uh, details are not yet uh, clear, uh, there are some talks like uh, uh, Putin is even tightening up, uh, like, uh, or, uh, tightening up uh, policies where uh, he is going to uh, uh, have uh, some... Uh, rules where uh, he will limit uh, the president uh, term to two consecutive terms Mm. and another thing is he is uh, mulling on uh, uh, prohibiting presidential candidates who have held foreign citizenship or foreign residency permits and then he has offered some tax breaks uh, to bigger families and asked uh, people to increase their uh, family size and um, he has increased uh, state funding for the new mothers also this is like um, radical uh, <laughs> radical reforms. Uh, Harita probably does need to write a piece on this. We were talking about this, but we'll talk more about this. Maybe we'll have a special podcast on Russia. Maybe more leftists will actually listen to uh, Mindmakers then after that. <laughs> okay. Um, but okay. but in, in closure, Harita, any recommendations you have for our listeners? Any books, movies that you've seen? Um... Um, and, uh, it could be an old one. It doesn't have to be a recent one, right? It's just something that you found very profound. Uh, exactly, like um, uh, when, when Harita, sorry, Harita thinks, or okay, I'll give two: one on my behalf and one on Harita's behalf. One is a book on R N Kao that I'm reading by Nitin Gokhale. It's a brilliant book. You must read to know the man's uh, sort of thing. And two. Uh, uh, sections I would definitely recommend one how India did it in Bangladesh what India did in Bangladesh and the Sikkim uh, how Sikkim became a part of India Uh, there is a a still more to be revealed in that but whatever he has written in the book so far is fascinating and that just makes me hungry for it just to leave you with uh, my recommendation, I'm currently le- uh, reading Flight of Deities by Meenakshi Jain and I recommend every Indian to read that book. 
lovely and then my other recommendation is going to be the movie tanaji with ajay devgan uh, it's a fantastic film uh, yes there are debates about some historical accuracies here and there but it's a, a fine film to talk about a hero of india that was not known to many uh, you know why singhad is called singhad and you know special mention for sharad kelkar as chatrapati shivaji he just just looks the part but thank you so much harita for joining us this has been a truly fantastic podcast we'll have more guys stay tuned thank you once again for joining us on mine thank you thank you adit pleasure we'll be back with more stay tuned guys thank you